Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. When we go to God and say, I can't, but you can, that's when God begins everything he does in our lives. So when I changed as a husband, it's when I began to wake up in the morning and say, I need you to give me the ability to love Karen. I don't have it. And she might say something today that I don't like. She might do something today that I don't like. And I know my capacity to be carnal. I I know my capacity to be selfish. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking for the fruits of the Spirit today in my life. And I'm telling you, every time I ask for it, it's a different day. It's a better day. I have a better ability to love. When I don't ask for it, then, you know, the old Jimmy comes out and it's not a good day. And so we need to depend on the Holy Spirit for him to empower us to love. So let me go real quickly through seven specific benefits available from the Holy Spirit every single day. These are things, all we have to do is ask for these things and God will give it. Now, in John 16, 7, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him, to you, send him to you. Isn't it an unbelievable statement that Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away? If Jesus came to your home today and he ate lunch with you and he got up in the middle of the afternoon and said, well, it's better for you that I leave. How in the world could it be better that Jesus leaves? Because when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came. And here's what he says about the Holy Spirit in John 14. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And isn't it interesting here, the wonderful thing is Jesus says he'll abide with you forever. Understand if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you and do you realize he's there forever? There'll never be an instant in eternity that the Holy Spirit's not with you, but everything he gives to us, we ask for. He's not going to impose himself on us and give us something that we don't ask for. See, the devil will just control you. He doesn't care if you want to or not. But God won't control us. He he will come into our lives to the degree that we want him in our lives. Because So here are seven things the Holy Spirit will give to us if we ask. The first is unity. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, in order for, Jesus said, a house divided can't stand. And so a divided marriage is a setup for failure. Okay, so how do you be, have unity? The unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Human unity is head unity, Holy Spirit unity is heart unity. You feel like a team, you feel like you belong together. You feel like you trust each other. There's a sense of intimacy there produced by the Holy Spirit. Now it takes effort. It says endeavoring, working hard to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One of the most important things in marriage is unity, is making sure that we're together and that we're one. Well, how do you do that? It begins with a prayer, a prayer that says, Holy Spirit, make us one. We're two very, very different people. If you married a normal person, they're very different than you. Karen's very, very different than me. And, and I'm glad because I don't need another me. You know, if both of you are the same, one of you is unnecessary. That's the old saying. So God takes two very different people and he brings you together like this. this isn't it beautiful? This is the way God designed marriage. Two very different people. And I, I don't tolerate your differences. I celebrate your differences. 
You're, you're just a great match for me. You think about things I don't think of. You've got the other side of the brain. I'm so thankful for that. And so we come and we say, Holy Spirit, we want to be one. Make us one. And we're going to work at this, Holy Spirit. We're going to love each other and respect each other. But make us one. That's something that he'll give you if you ask for it. Number two, personal nurturing and comfort. And this is my favorite point in this whole message. This is John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, nor knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless or an orphan. I will come to you. Now, I read that out of the authorized English version specifically because it uses the word comforter there. That's the word prokletos in the Greek, and it means someone called alongside to help or someone called alongside to comfort. Well, let me, so I'm going to make a point here. So listen to what I'm saying because it's very important. In Genesis 1:27, it says, so God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So I need, I need you to participate in this a little bit, okay? So um, God is described as a man. All the references to God in the Bible are masculine, okay? But now women are a part of the image of God, right? In the image of God, he created them, male and female, right? So are women made in the image of God? Yeah, right? We all in agreement on that? Okay, a lot of guys are about to get in trouble if you don't say yes. Okay. So women, women are made in the image of God, right? So part of God is maternal. You still with me? Okay. There's a maternal side of God. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is, he's a he. I'm not saying he's a she. What I'm saying is the Holy, God gave the same name to women and the Holy Spirit. Help her. In Genesis 2, God looked down and said, it's not good that that man's alone. I'm going to make him a helper. And then Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper to you. They're given the same name, and they have the same nature. The Holy Spirit is sensitive. He's gentle. He's spiritual, and he's powerful. That's what women are. And the most... (laughs) I got a big old woman, amen, right back here. A marvel is to watch a woman with children, a mother. It's, it's a marvel. We have our granddaughters with us right now. We have five grandchildren. It's a marvel to watch Karen with those kids and, and my uh, daughter and daughter-in-law. It's, women, mothers are, well, they're God. It's God. You're, when you're watching a mother love her child, you're watching the nature of God. Part of God is maternal. That's the Holy Spirit. Why am I saying this? Because you need a mama. Right now, all messed up. I just need somebody to love me. That's the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. He's loving. He's kind, but he's powerful. And he loves to love. He loves to love. Man, woman, old, young, he's your mama. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a woman. I'm saying he's the maternal side of God. And women are made in the image of God. And I said to you earlier, he's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to ask. And he's waiting for us to understand how big he is and how close he is. And how available he is to all of us that would just simply ask. So you have have a mama. You know, the great thing about 
receiving God into your life, you get a father, a mother, and a brother. You get a family. And I'm not trying to preach weird theology. I'm, I think that's kind of neat. Okay, number three, spiritual grace is what the Holy Spirit gives us, and I've got to hurry. You shall receive power, Acts 1-8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Well, you remember that Peter uh, was a coward. I mean, he was a coward. He betrayed Jesus. And uh, when Jesus was going through his trial in his worst hour of his life, a little girl came up in the, to the fire and uh, Peter was there and Peter denied Jesus. Okay? And so ashamed, broken. But when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit fell, that coward became a man of God. And he stood up and preached and 3,000 people got saved. And this multitude of people, people listening, they're persecuting Peter and the other apostles. Peter never backs down. Ultimately, uh, legend has it, church history has it, that Peter was martyred. But he became a very courageous man. Now, these people had been, the people at the uh, day of Pentecost had been with Jesus. They knew Jesus. But what they lacked was the Holy Spirit to give them power. The kind of power I'm talking about here is the power that gives you the ability to do what you could never do without God. The ability to know God, the ability to understand his word, the ability to change, the ability to resist temptation, the ability to fulfill God's will for your life. It is a grace. It comes freely. You cannot earn it or deserve it, but we have to pray for it. We have to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. I don't want to live today as merely a human. I want to live today as a supernatural, spirit-filled child of Almighty God. Amen. And I can only do that through you. Because that, that's what happened. On, on the day of Pentecost, a bunch of humans turned into a bunch of supernatural humans that were doing miracles, and their shadow was healing people. And that's the way God wants us to live. Number four, uh, grace that the Holy Spirit gives us is emotional grace that we already talked about. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us there is no law. Well, the Holy Spirit is the oil, the engine of our emotions was designed to run on. And if you understand engines, in a car engine, there are pistons, and they rub against casing. Metal casing is metal against metal. And in that engine, this is how the combustion is created that drives the engine. Well, it's all good as long as there's a lubricant in there. As long as that engine has oil in it, it's all good. That engine's going to be fine. See, when God puts two people together in a very close relationship, a lot is possible with the Holy Spirit between you. It's amazing how a car can do so many amazing things for so long, as long as this lubricant is in there. But if you drain the oil out of your car, you'll drive it for a mile or two, it'll lock down and overheat. It's impossible without lubricant. See, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing how righteous we can be under pressure. Without the Holy Spirit, it's amazing how carnal we can be. Regardless of how well we know the Bible or how long we've been saved. We were never designed to emotionally operate without the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of the most important things that we do every day is to wake up and say to the Holy Spirit, there's not love in me. There's not joy in me. There's not peace in me without you. Holy Spirit, would you fill me up again today with love, joy, peace, all of these things that you uniquely bring into my life. He'll answer that prayer 100% of the time. And it will change your life and every relationship in your life. Because now God is coding and supernaturally empowering 
your emotions and putting emotions in you that you don't naturally have. Number five gift that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is physical grace. Now this is, this is an incredible one. Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, So it's interesting here how Paul is, is saying this. If the same spirit that raised Jesus, how many of you are Christians in here? Raise your hand. You're a believer. Okay, you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're a Christian, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is in you. Well, let me give you the King Jimmy version of that scripture right there. If the Holy Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, you think your physical problems are any challenge to him? If he raised Jesus from the dead, you don't think he can heal your headaches? You don't think he can touch your body? So we wake up in the morning and here's what we understand. He's our healer. And we take our sicknesses to the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, you raised Jesus from the dead. Could you help out my lumbago? Could you help out my arthritis? And he'll touch us. Physical grace is one of the promises that he makes here. Number six is mental grace. This is another fabulous one. John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me and take of what is mine and declare it to you all things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Well, Karen and I were fighting a lot in, early in our marriage. I woke up one morning and I read my Bible and I was not a good husband, I was a jerk, but I was a very sanctified jerk. I read my Bible every day. And uh, I read John 16 and it said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Well, that's the night that we almost split up. And I came home from playing golf, Karen was mad at me. I yelled at her, I said, get out of here, go home to mommy, I don't care where you go, I'm just sick of you. She goes in the bedroom crying. I'm in the living room. I don't know what I'm, I'm, all I know is my wife's about to leave and I don't know what to do. And, but I remembered that scripture from that morning. And um, I bowed my head in the living room and I prayed this prayer. Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband. I don't know. I'm about to lose my marriage and I don't know. The instant I prayed that prayer, it's hard to, for me to describe what happened, but it was like something fell off of my eyes. It's like scales fell off of my eyes. The minute before that, that I prayed that prayer, I thought I was Mr. Wonderful and I just accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. You know, I just thought, <laughs> Karen is a problem and you know, she just needs help. The instant I prayed that prayer, I saw what an idiot I was and what a beautiful wife I had. And I walked into the bedroom and I apologized to Karen and that began the healing of our marriage. But what I'm teaching you and people all over the world is the answer to that prayer. I asked the Holy Spirit to teach me how to be a husband. Listen, if God can take Jimmy Evans the jerk and turn him into a marriage expert, what can he do in your life? And I'm not saying you're a jerk. Amen. Amen. He can teach you anything. You may, you may have never done anything right, but he, he can teach you anything. And again, I'm saying he won't impose this on us. He's not gonna come and force knowledge on us that we don't want. But when we go to the Holy Spirit and admit our need and our weakness and just say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this and, and I wanna make sure that I'm not walking in deception. 
or learning wrong things? Would you lead me into all truth? Obviously, he's going to help us understand the Bible. But he's also going to lead us into truths that we don't understand. And, and, and by the way, it also says he'll tell you things to come. He'll, he'll show you what's coming up in your life, give, give you snippets of what's going to come up in your life, if you, if you ask. Number seven is vision and supernatural guidance. Is John 16, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things to come. Acts chapter two, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. In other words, the first thing the New Testament says about the Holy Spirit here in the book of Acts is revelation will come. Vision will come. When the, when the Holy Spirit comes, the lights turn on. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Let me, let me close with this. Uh, Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they first agree? The answer is no. If you have one vision for the children and I have another vision from the children, us trying to be married is going to be a constant fight of two visions. The word division means division, two visions. So we have, you have one a vision for the finances. I have another vision for the finances. You have one vision for our future. I have another vision for our future. It, we teach people at Marriage Today how to have a vision retreat. Every year, a married couple goes away. It's one of the most transforming experiences Karen and I have ever had in our marriage is to get away together and pray and ask God, what is your vision for this, this, every area of our marriage, this, 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 and pray and talk until we believe we have the same vision. And so you have division. But when you come together and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a common vision, now the headlights match. You're going down the same road at the same time in the same direction. You have harmony. You have unity. Because now you have one vision. And by, and by the way, this is just a little tidbit. You know what the word provision means? For the vision. See, a lot of people are praying for money, and they're praying for God to supply them, but they don't have a vision. The word provision means for the vision. When you get the vision, God gives you the provision for the vision. So the blessing of vision, first of all, is unity and peace. But it's also uh, an increased level of provision in your life. The Holy Spirit does everything in our marriage to make our marriage blessed and possible. And it's just a matter of us becoming spirit-dependent people. He's a gift. How do, you, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's like you receive Jesus. He's a free gift. All you have to do is ask. He's so wonderful. He's so gracious. He's so loving. He's so forgiving. He's so powerful. And he's in our lives. Jesus said he'll be with you there forever. And so for us, for us to relate to the Holy Spirit, we just, as a person, he's a real person. He's God. And he's a free gift. And he's, and he's precious. And he's gentle. He, he loves us. And so we need to be spirit-dependent people. If we're going to have a good marriage... It means that we're spirit-dependent people. And you might say, well, Pastor Jimmy, my wife won't do that. My husband won't do that. Well, you do that. Because the spirit-filled woman is the one who redeemed this guy here. Hey, we're Dave and Ashley Willis, and we've been talking about how to have a spirit-filled marriage. And we want to get to your questions. So Dave's going to have our first question today. Yeah, we've got some great questions today. So thank you for those who wrote in and shared these. First one says this, I'm a stay-at-home mom of two boys. My husband comes home from work and is usually tired, but as a mom, it seems my job never ends. How do we work on having a successful marriage while balancing parenthood? Man, that's a good question. And we, we can relate. Yes. We can relate. Having, I relate got to all of four that. Four little boys. <laughs> we are so 
tired. Like we I'm, are. Yeah. I'm actually wearing makeup right now just to hide the bags <laughs> that are under my eyes. So we can relate to the, the, the tiredness. It's exhausting. And, you know, parenthood is such a blessing, but it can really take a toll on a marriage if we're not careful. And I'd say, you know, number one, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with your time because there is everything in the world to do with your kids. And that's a wonderful thing. But if we don't prioritize our marriage as the parents, then everything and everyone else is going to take precedent. And so I would say every night, put your kids to bed a little earlier than they really want to go to bed and have some time to yourselves. You know, we are in the practice of this and we have four boys ages 13 to two. And, you know, they don't always want to go to bed when we say they need to go to bed, but having 30 minutes to an hour together and talking, it has made all the difference in our marriage. And so I would encourage you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't be afraid to ask your husband for, for what you need. If you're the one carrying all the weight, and I know he's working hard too, and it should never become a competition of, well, I'm doing this, so I shouldn't have to do that. Husband and wife should be serving each other all the time. And so do your part to, to serve one another. And, and husbands, if you're watching this, man, you are never more attractive to your wife than when she catches you folding laundry, doing the dishes. I'm telling you, we, we call it chore, chore play. play. That's right, chore play. It can lead to some good things. But even beyond <laughs> that, it's gonna, it's gonna just help bring out the best in each other and it's gonna make more time for one another. Because yeah. when you're serving each other, I don't, it just binds your hearts together in unity, which is one of the hallmarks of a spirit-filled marriage. The Holy Spirit wants to bring unity in your relationship. And unity happens when you're working together, when you're serving one another, not when you're just dividing everything up as his tasks and her tasks, and you're essentially just living as business partners, each carrying mm-hmm. out your own thing. You've gotta always be willing to roll up your sleeves and help each other. And I love what Ashley said about putting those kids to bed a little bit early, Yes, you know, turning on the TV, and uh, making some microwave popcorn, giving each other a foot rub, and just talking, just connecting. You know, some of your best date nights might be right there on the couch after the kids are in bed, and you can really unwind and talk, but you have to be intentional about that. You've got to, you gotta make that a priority. It's so true. So we're gonna get to our next question. It says, we've heard Marriage Today talk about how important it is to have a vision for your marriage. We wanna have one, but we don't know where to start. Any advice? And that's a, that's a great question. I think it starts with with praying together. Lord, reveal to us what your vision is for our marriage, because we don't want to just throw our ideas at this. We want you, Lord, to direct us. And that's another part of a spirit-filled marriage. Let the Holy Spirit be the one to bring vision and to guide you in vision. And then beyond that, I think it means intentionally talking. You've got to communicate right. about your dreams, about your hopes. What are those dreams and those hopes that God has placed on your heart? What do you see for your family, not only in this season of life, but multi-generationally. And I, I think that we were too short-sighted when it comes to our marriage and family. God brought you and your spouse together, not only for each other, but he wants to impact generations through the two of you. It's so true. You know, so many families come up with a family mission statement. And I think this is so awesome because once you develop your family mission statement, if there's anything you're deciding on doing as a family, if it doesn't fit in that mission statement, then you shouldn't do it. And that way it really takes things off the table that are a distraction in your life. And it helps you focus on what God has called you to as a couple and as a family. And you know, one way to do that, I know that sounds kind of daunting, is just talk about what are the values that you and your spouse stand for and that you want your kids to learn and go from there and keep it simple because the simpler it is, the more it's easy to kind of say, you know, for this season, we don't need to do this. We need to focus in on what God has called us to as a family. So true. Define the win. What does winning look like in your family, in your marriage? And then just stick to that bullseye and don't let anything distract you for it. We hope that encouraged you today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today. 